our father builds his kingdom and he fills it with an authority structure anointed and appointed to deliver his love and grace into the world. And it must be thus and it will always be so. Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of San Francisco's Sermon Podcast. This is a message from our worship service on Sunday mornings in downtown San Francisco. This podcast is a ministry of our church, and we're praying it's useful for you and for the kingdom, for the praise of His glory. Today's sermon comes from Numbers 11, 16 to 30. Then the I am said to Moses, gather for me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them, and bring them to the tent of meeting and let them take their stand there with you. And I will come down and talk with you there. And I will take some of the spirit that is on you and put it on them and they shall share the burden of the people with you, is that, so that you may not bear it yourself alone. And say to the people, consecrate yourself for tomorrow, and you shall eat meat, for you have wept in the hearing of the I am, saying, who will give us meat to eat? For it was better for us in Egypt. Therefore the I am will give you meat, and you will eat. You will not eat for just one day, or two days, or five days, or ten days, or twenty days, but a whole month, until it comes out of your nose and you hate it, because you rejected the I am who is among you, and have wept before him, saying, Why did we come out of Egypt? But Moses said, The people among who I am number six hundred thousand on foot, and you say, I will give them meat that they may eat a whole month? Will flocks and herds be slaughtered for them and be enough for them? Or will all the fish of the sea be gathered together for them and be enough for them? And the I am said to Moses, is the I am's hand too short? Now you will see whether my word will come true for you or not. So Moses went out and told the people the words of the I am, and he gathered 70 men of the elders of the people and placed them around the tent. Then the I am came down in the cloud and spoke to him and took some of the spirit that was on him and put it on the 70 elders. And as soon as the spirit rested on them, they prophesied, but they did not continue doing it. Now two men remained in the camp, one named Eldad and the other named Medad, and the spirit rested on them also. They were among those registered, but they had not gone to the tent, so they prophesied in the camp. And a young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the assistant of Moses from his youth, said, my Lord Moses, stop them. But Moses said to him, Are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the I am's people were prophets, that the I am would put his spirit on them. And Moses and the elders of Israel 
return to the camp. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, good, good. Numbers 11. Numbers 11. Numbers 11. When's the last time you heard a sermon on the book of Numbers? <laughs> it's been a while. I can't even remember the last time I heard one. Uh, you know, I, I have toyed with the idea of preaching through this book. And this is just like kind of a little teaser. Maybe, maybe, maybe uh, we will wind up there. But what, what brings us to Numbers? What brings us so far afield from the book of John? Well, I'm hoping by the end of my time in this text, you'll have more boldness, more, more courage that, that this, this, we haven't gone far afield at all. <laughs> when you're in the kingdom, when God's kingdom, it looks the same from John 17 to Numbers 11. It really does. It bears all the trademarks of an eternal love and eternal passion and spirit-filled ministry. This is what it is. It is what it is, right? And, and I think we come, well, that's what brings us here, it, it, oh, by the way. It, it is spirit-filled leadership in ministry. Because today we are going to vote to elect uh, new elders, new elder leaders for the church. And this is the moment where elder leadership takes its imprimatur from the very filling of God. And God affirms and confirms and fills the leaders of the church with the Holy Spirit. Mm. And what I want to talk today is about a spirit-filled ministry. And the possibility of it, the, 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 the possibility of what, and what it looks like, and, and what it, and even here in this ancient, so in this ancient uh, story, and how even in this ancient story, it, it already bears all the signs of that kingdom life and love that Jesus brings. It's all over the place. And I think we'll see it together. So that's where we're, that's where we're kind of, that's why we're here, that's why we're in this text. But uh, this text, it, it did other things. It did things to me this week. Like the Word of God always does. It does things to you when you're in it. And, um, and, and by God's grace, a lot of things kind of come together this week. I don't know if you know this, but this is May the 31st, and it is Pentecost Sunday. So 50, Pente 50, it's, it's the number of days uh, after. And, and it was marked in the Jewish calendar as a place, as a time of festival. <clears throat> But it's marked in our Christian experience by what? The arrival and the inauguration of the organization, spirit-filled organism of the church. <laughs> Pentecost. Well, this here in Numbers 11 is a little early mini Pentecost, where the Holy Spirit was poured out on, all, uh, poured out on the people. And so we, here, here we're, here, here's a little taste of it, right? So, so, uh, so, so this, this is that preamble to... Pentecost. So it's even more fitting that we're here in this story, right? Because, it, because it, it, it's a part of the story of how God made the church. And we're kind of in that schedule. We're in that, that yearly schedule and happens to land on today when we will have our elections. And, and I, love, I love seeing how God is moving and shaping and organizing even an event that, that all the pieces come together. Anyway, that's him. So it's so fitting that we're here today. And, uh, and, and we can get take a look at how God, our Father, organizes his kingdom. And he does it through spirit-filled leadership. Now, I, I guess in some way, this is more timely than I would have imagined, right? Because one of the, one of the frustrations, one of the fears, perhaps one of the, one of the, one of the part of the crisis of modernity and in this generation is what? There's... A lack of leadership at every level, everywhere. 
a lack of leadership. There's a crying out. Where are the leaders? Where are the men and the women who, who know how to make decisions and make them wisely, who, who know how to perceive, who know how to go for us, who know how to, who, who are full of the character and the, and the intelligence and the wisdom to lead us, to show us what good decisions look like. And if there's anything that, 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 that uh, if there's any crisis that seems to feed the, the, the explosion of racial tension against the backdrop of a plague, it's leadership, the crisis of leadership. And I've heard this most of my, most of my adult life, that, that our culture and the pundits and the, and the cultural critics would say it, has had a crisis of real leadership. Well, okay, well, I'm hoping today we can dive in. Let's dive in. Let's, let's go right there. Where are we in numbers? Where are we in space and time? Okay, so as far as where we are in space and time, we, are, we have moved from Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai is a year in the past at this point. And uh, they're, they are just, they have just celebrated their, first, their second Passover, the first Passover after Mount Sinai. And in fact, a year before previously, and it's recorded in Exodus 18, uh, uh, Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, his, his father-in-law uh, took him aside as he was watching him manage the masses of the people of God, and he, uh, and he said, hey, you know, you're doing this wrong. You're doing it in a way that's going to exhaust you, and he suggested, and he advised Moses into an internal organizational system built on elders. It happened to be 70 of them. Well, those 70 elders were called to help, to help Moses in his leading. And after that uh, conversation with Jethro, uh, the year before this event we're reading about today, uh, Moses did do that. And, 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 uh, and those 70 men actually went and ate with God. It's, just, it's, it's really mysterious. We don't know what it means. It just says they, the elders ate with God. And then Mount Sinai said, no, we don't know what the meal was. Either. But this is a year later. So the people of God are en route. They are now in transit between Sinai and the Promised Land. And they're in transit that's a wandering transit resultant of judgment. They have, and they have a front of God, and he has said, you're going to be wandering through this desert. Now, uh, now that's a part of, uh, of how the story is working out. Now, this is a year later. Now, numbers is, by and large, a lot of numbers. Right? It's a lot of uh, lists and names. And if you read the first 10 chapters, you get bogged down so quickly. There's so many sponsors, beautiful things that, that, that encourage the heart, but a lot of it's just names and numbers, names and numbers and records and laws and rules and names and numbers, but interspersed with story, interspersed with illustration, as it were, interspersed with the lived detail of what Moses was actually experiencing as a leader. So what is happening here? Well, the people have been gifted a marvelous, magical, beautiful, daily, easy to, easy to, easy, just pick it up manna. And I know this does not look like manna. This is what my wife made me this morning. But it's just like, it was just something to pick up in them. It was just, it was there, abundance every day, manna. Manna means, what is it? They didn't even know what it was. And every day they would rise. Now, about a year of that, about a year of that amazing miracle, it had worn off. They weren't impressed anymore. In fact, they were tired of it, and they were weird, and they began to complain. In fact, it says the rabble amongst them complained. It's the only time that word happens anywhere in the Bible, and it's a word for this despicable kind of undercurrent of whispering, murmuring, gossiping, complaining people who had come with the people of God out of Egypt. Well, they start up a complaint. Uh, where's the beef? It's kind of that kind of thing. Where's the, we're sick to death of manna. 
and they're whining, oh, we had the cucumbers and leeks and garlic of Egypt, oh, we had fish. Well, of course, they were slaves, you know, but they're longing for some past that they've romanticized and idealized when they were actually being terrorized and destroyed by the by Pharaoh. But he doesn't know. They're longing for Egypt. They're longing to go back. And by the way, that longing to go back to the old life, that becomes a whole topic in all the Bible. I was talked about again and again. Well, I did, well, yearning to go back to Egypt, yearning to go back to your old ways. And, uh, and that's, that's, a, that's a whole uh, theme throughout the scriptures. But right now, this revolt has gotten, they are, I mean, it's just gotten out of hand. And rumors, you know, rumors are flying, and Moses loses it. And if you could, I, I didn't read, we didn't read the first part of the, the first 10 verses, but if you had read the previous verse, you'd know this is what Moses had just said to God where we, where we enter into the scene here. He is in the midst of this leadership crisis, and this is what he's just asked God. Kill me. Kill me. I'm done. I am so done. <laughs> I'm so done. <laughs> You've heard that expression before where somebody says that I'm done. Well, that is where Moses has come to. He is done. He has reached the limits of what he can handle in terms of the, the division and conflict and complaint and attack and the, oh, the misery. And he is done. He's asked God to kill him. It's um, the most sanctified version of a suicidal thought possible, right? It's just take me, Father. I'm done. I can't feed these people. Why? I, they're not my kids. Why do I have to take care of them? He's very, very, very tired, and very tired and discouraged, actually. Very, very exhausted. You can hear it. And that's where our story begins right here. Now the story kind of launches in, and our Father, God, this God, is answering Moses for the people of God, and we are like, we are, the people of God represent us. We're the same, same, kind, same groups of people, the same kinds of people, and we're going to learn a lot about spirit-filled leadership, I hope today. So in the midst of this crisis of complaint and grumbling, uh, God, God pours out spirit-filled leadership. Praise him. Praise him for his kindness. Let's just, uh, let's explore it. Let's just explore it together. First of all, um, now I, you know, I, sometimes I, I make the joke, I don't know if, uh, if people are aware that they have wandered into a, um, into a, um, Presbyterian church or not, we don't we don't often seem like a Presbyterian church. Hold a second here, but um, but I, what I want to look at here to, here to today is um, this this whole structure of of Presbyterianism itself. I just want to begin right out the right out the gate. Okay, we have a spirit filled structure. It is it is its antiquity is indisputable. Now many churches don't have elders even anymore, and uh, and that that and, and and elder in Greek just is the word presbyteros. It's where we get the name of our church, of our organization, and so and so we believe that the elder affirmation here, the, that's in the uh, Holy Spirit in verse seventeen, and then in verse twenty-five here, that this a pouring out of the Holy Spirit, and it's really kind of a beautiful picture. Uh, you almost get the picture that God has got like a bowl of the Holy Spirit. And he's portioning it out like a spoonful and putting a dollop on each person. It's kind of, a, the language is so earthy and, and tactile and immediate. And, uh, but the idea here that's central that I want you to, don't want you to miss is that God means for his spirit to inhabit a hierarchy. Now, I want you to hear this. The structures, the very inherent authority structures of the church are spirit anointed. They're spirit filled. 
and they must be responded to that way. You know, we, 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 uh, we live in a generation, we live in a city. Uh, I remember the, uh, what was it, the Weatherman uh, back in the 60s. These, the, these people celebrated and advocated and, and, and exercised uh, anarchy. Now, uh, there's only, a, only I, think, I think only one of us in this call was here at the time uh, when those things were going on. But, but there, was a, the, the, there was a love for anarchy. And the idea was to throw off all governance, throw off all leadership, throw off all leaders, all leaders, all authority is suspect. I remember um, that, was like, that was like a mantra in the 60s. You don't trust authority. And, um, and what has happened and what has infected the church even is a rejection of the concept of hierarchy. It's really weird. I mean, this is one of the boogeymans of, of a lot of modern Marxist thinking. There's a lot of weird academic thinking happening in the world today. And one of the most classic ones is to, is to say that patriarchy, like, like that's reflected by elders, or hierarchy and patriarchy and things like this are inherently oppressive and wrong. And that is simply not true. The, uh, our father builds his kingdom, and he fills it with an authority structure anointed and appointed to deliver his love and grace into the world. And it must be thus, and it will always be so. Even in heaven, there's a hierarchy. It's so funny how uh, there's, a, there's almost a, there's an, a hatred of hierarchy in any fashion or shape any, at all in this generation, and a rejection of it, and part of the rebellious spirit of this age, right? But but let us answer it and let you have your own heart answer it. Our father has designed a church, the church as a vehicle for his glory and his authority and his gospel. You must come under its, its governance if you really know Christ. This is his pattern. Those who refuse the pattern, people, some people refuse baptism, some people refuse membership. Those who refuse the patterns of, of inauguration into the community and the administration of love that I have been authorized to dispense with my authority, and these men who are elected to elders will likewise be, that with an anointed, the structure itself is anointed. Now, those structures can be abused, and they have been abused. Uh, the PCA, the PCA was actually founded uh, in its original bid, uh, a number of churches in the South joined the PCA because they wanted to get away from how the mainline church was forcing them to accept black members. And a number of our early PCA churches went to the PCA because of that. That's how deep these crimes exist inside our communities. And they're ugly and they're evil and they must be repented of. How will they be repented of? By truly spirit-filled structures. By truly spirit-filled structures. There's an old expression going back going back all the way to the, to the early, early days of the church. And that is, there is no hope outside this community. There's no salvation. There's no salvation outside the church. Are you looking for a salvation elsewhere? Have you been, have you, do you keep yourself at a distance? Do you, do you stay away from, if you are, you're missing all of the benefits and glories and beauties and the design pattern. Don't be, don't be suspicious of these patterns anymore. This, this generation, uh, uh, wants to blame systems and say that any patriarchy you know, or any, any stink of hierarchy at all is, is, is automatically evil. That's a lie. That's a lie. We know it's a lie because the Holy Spirit filled this. 
So give up the sin of disconnecting from the Spirit's power and get involved with your church and become a member. <laughs> Whenever you go and in the future, become, become a member quickly once you've established this as a true church of Christ so that you don't get busy kind of judging it and evaluating it and disconnecting and keeping yourself not under this Spirit-anointed structure. That's so, so that's the first thing we need. That's the first crisis of this age. It needs these structures. And Presbyterianism, this idea of elder rule that is here inaugurated in, the ancient, in this ancient 3,000, over 3,000 years ago, is it, just glorious. It's part of how God wants to rule. We'll see why. We'll see some of the beauties of the kind of leadership that it is. So, so first of all, we need a spirit-filled structure. But second of all, we just need spirit-filled leaders, period. Now, now what, what am I talking about? Well, th- let's, let's, let's jive in here. Look at verse 20 here. This, is, uh, this verse 20 is God's conversation. I've highlighted and read the important bit there. God's conversation with Moses. And he's telling them about the sin of these people. Now, no, notice, notice this. Because you reject it. And notice this. He, he says you, and he's talking to Moses. Moses, as a leader, is responsible in part for some of the crimes of his people. And you rejected the I am who is among you. What's going on here? What are spirit-filled leaders? What are spirit-filled leaders? Spirit-filled leaders are those who know about the presence of Christ and the salvation that comes through the cross. You see, God was among them. Who, whose name is among us, God with us? It's Jesus. This is a, these are whispers about Jesus thousands of years before he came. Again, there's a promise of Jesus here. And God is saying, I am present with you, which means I am with you in love. And I feel rejected. I've been rejected. And I lift you in love, and I've been rejected. I'm with you in love, and I've been rejected, says the Lord. Moses, what is going on? Wow. What happened? What's this idea of speaking? And, and right this moment, this is one of the things I was asking Bob about. Uh, I asked Bob when I was going over this text. Bob was helping us with our, our congregational meeting a little bit in a little bit. Is a why the timing? Why does God call and appoint? Why does He anoint these men for leadership with the Holy Spirit at this particular moment here? Uh, as, when they need spiritual leaders. Uh, uh, why, why at this point with with the rabble? And I love what He said. You know. Uh, God's giving good spirit-filled leaders to the church is one of the acts of his grace and love by which he works out redemption. Because you rejected the I am who is among you. What is God saying? You rejected my grace. Don't reject my grace anymore. Moses, and he's talking to Moses as the leader because Moses is involved in that. Moses is the one who can, who there in that moment can plead over that. So what are, what are spirit-filled leaders? They're, they're men who have, by the Holy Spirit, get it. They get the gospel. That we do reject the God who is among us, and we need a helper. We need a mediator. We need a, a sacrifice. We need an atonement. We need a covering. We need a forgiveness. We need a cleansing. We need a washing. And spirit-filled leaders know it. They know it down to their toes. And I want you to notice something. As they stand in this moment, right where Moses is standing here, as God, as God is, is speaking to him, it, it, it's, uh, take a look down in, um, uh, what was I going to say, um, in, in verse 25. Look at verse 25. Uh, is that where it is? Uh, yeah, look, look, look at verse 25. I don't have it highlighted yet. But they did not continue doing it. 
but they did not continue doing it. I'm sorry I didn't highlight that, but look at it on there in verse 25. The Holy Spirit descended, and, and, and just as God had asked for it, and God had asked for the positioning of these men in the, in the place between him and the people in his anger and his frustration over the rejection of his love. Ooh, spirit-filled men live there. They live in a gospel nexus, a gospel vector, where, where life for the people and life of God come, to, come together, you see. At the end, right there where we dispense, and where we, where we interpret and, and, and explain the cross and what Christ's death means for us, what it means in terms of forgiveness and freedom, and how, how all rejection of God is a rejection of his love among us, of his personal love for us, and his personal love for us is what saves us. Ooh, it gets better and better. It gets better and better. Spirit-filled leaders get the gospel, you see, and they continue in the spirit. That, that at the end of verse 25, they did not continue doing it. Oh, that's kind of chilling. But this is the Older Testament. This is, this is before the coming of Christ by thousands of years. And, and I think that, about 1,500 years, uh, 1,600 years. But, but I think that um, uh, the, the answer is we're no longer stuck like there where they couldn't continue in it. We can continue. You see, we have been given the Holy Spirit. We can continue. So my second thing about that, so the first point is God has an appointed, anointed structure. He rules through elders. That's why we're Presbyterian. I believe in that conviction, and that's what our church is. Uh, even though we're just a single church and not a part of a denomination, we are still elder-led. Second, not only do we need spirit-filled structure, we need spirit-filled men themselves, spirit-filled leaders. Spirit-filled leaders get the gospel, and they get their position uh, uh, in, in, in the cross and in the gospel, and, and they, get, they get the idea of God's love, and they continue in it. They continue in the Holy Spirit. But what's my point here? If we're going to keep going and keep doing this, because this, you know, church, church planting in San Francisco is hard work, um, and there are many trials coming. You know, in, you know, Moses' trial here is that he's got too many people. Our trial is we don't have enough. But what has God blessed us with? Even as a small church has been contracting and getting smaller, what has God blessed us with? Leaders. That never happens in small churches that are, if, 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 we, if God wasn't for us. That's amazing. And, and, and even as they experience a downturn and God called leaders, he's doing it now in order to bring the gospel to you and to me <laughs> in a beautiful way. To bring us into new life, new repentance, so to make the gospel real in our lives. Brothers, and this is my word to Ted and to Frankie and to Corey, continue in the Holy Spirit. This is my word to us as a church, all of us together. Pray for the anointing and the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Pray that I and these brothers us together would walk in step with the Spirit. Because a Spirit-filled ministry means a delivery of the gospel. Love, Jesus. That is what it is. And that's the way it comes. But this, all right, so this just keeps getting better and better. Because what I want, finally what I want to do here is, is I, want to, I want to launch into something here. I want to look at, there's all sorts of clues in this text about what spirit-filled leadership, how it leads. It's really, it's kind of remarkable. And I'm hoping we'll be encouraged by it, encouraged in it. Uh, yeah, there's something, something kind of, uh, so that's what I want to do. And I want you to think about this list, and I want you to, I want you to think about our leaders and, and the people led, and I want you to be thinking about 
how you think about a church and how you evaluate a church is because you're time sometime in the future hopefully not soon <laughs> you'll be you'll be wanting to find a church you'll be moved or 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 something will happen and i think this is kind of a a great a great uh uh, uh kind of um what do you call it um checklist almost kind of like a checklist not really but it's just it's just us opening the text opening the bible together first thing i want you to see though is that they prophesied they prophesied um you know prophecy is one of those truly religious bible words religious concepts but i just want to i just want to field strip it for you and give it back to you they were prophesied and this word the beautifully the navi the navi word its etymology comes from uh the word for bubbling something bubbled up isn't that a great picture <laughs> what's the first idea here about them prophesying is the idea of an arrival of a new principle and energy animating their lives they are filled with the spirit there something is bubbling up one of the things you've been called to identify in your voting is do you see the holy spirit bubbles <laughs> do you see that eruption and that natural course in frankie's attitude and ted's actions and in corey's corey's heart do you see those things in me and us which 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 describe a bubbling <laughs> which describe the force of god's power uh, you know what's happening here in this word prophecy when this eruption that happens as in this description is nothing short of this the fruit of the spirit in other words there is an inescapable conclusion and there is a relentless work that god has started in, in frankie and it will come out and it'll come out of me it'll come out look for it. that is what we're looking for and this is one of the beauties of spiritual leadership is this is is it is in one sense natural naturally supernatural you can put it that way right <laughs> because it's you it's, it's god's power but this first this first idea is we are new people anointed by god and we, the, this is the this is the description of a new person a new kind of person and that and this is what spirit-filled ministry is one of the first marks of it is it is it uh, it can't help itself it erupts <laughs> beautifully and it even continues doesn't it What's the second thing about this? Something really beautiful happening. I want you to, something else beautiful happens uh, in, in the leaders too. And it's right here in verse 23. One of the things a spirit-filled leadership experiences is the impossible, the, the power of God to do the impossible gets personal. I don't know way to describe it. Look at the conversation I am says to Moses. Is the I am's hand too short? By the way, I am's hand, this is great. I mean, look, this is in the Bible elsewhere. The whole idea is God has alligator arms, right? It, it, does God have alligator arms? Of course not. And that's the, it, it, this is not the only place this is expressed. Or does God have T-Rex arms? And, uh, and no, it's just silly. It's kind of a silly image. It's kind of fun. Is the I am's hand too short? Of course not, says the Lord. The Lord is, is using this. But you will see, and this is in the singular, Moses, you're going to see something. And there's something really precious in the spirit-filled work of God and leaders. They get a chance to get acquainted personally with the God who does impossible things. The God who does 12 impossible things before breakfast. The power of God. In a, in a unique way that, 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 that is startling and beautiful and very personal and very necessary. 
So first, it's a bubbling, it's a natural. Second, it's a, it's a personal knowledge, a personal connection with the God of the impossible. This is a God who, right, who rose from the dead. It's eyes that see that power and see how it's animated in me, in us, and in the church. Mm, good stuff. And it's able to perceive that. And it, but this wonderful flavor. This is, why, this, is, this is why when you become a leader, you want other people to be leaders with you. You want everybody to be. And we'll see that in a second. We'll see that in a second. Uh, but let's take a look at, and how do we possess? How does it be, uh, Paul does this, and he uses it even in his language. How does it become a personal knowledge of the God who does the impossible? And it comes my gospel, Paul says. He does that a number of times in the Bible. It, do, you, do you talk that way or think that way or know that? Oh, good stuff. This is what spirit-filled leaders do. This is what they do. They own it personally with this. What's the next thing they do? Or returning back because you rejected the I am who is among you. Uh, I went back to this text because what is one of the things they do is they are aware of their role as mediator. And it was mediator with a small m. There's only one mediator, Jesus Christ, between God and man. But we have, we have these ways of standing and mediating and loving and covering and protecting. And, 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 and spirit-filled leaders are aware of this. They're aware that they need to help people and connect them with grace, you see, and keep connecting them with the grace of God and the grace of his love. And, and, they're, and they're in a place of prayer. This is Moses, he's talking to God. He's in a place of prayer, right? So what is this meaning? It's this idea of a God, of, of, of good leaders like Daniel, identify the sins of the people as theirs, and, 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 then, and then mediate. And they, 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 they take this. They take the rejection of the people as theirs, as something they need to go with. Too. And there's this wonderful mediating kind of uh, heartbreak that you'll see in a spirit-filled leader uh, uh, for his people, for, for, his, for the flock, uh, which he has been called to be a shepherd. This is spirit-filled ministry. You see, it's all over this text. It gets even better. Oh, yeah, and you see how Paul, he is animated. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles. And by the way, this is Ephesians 3, where he prays. Well, he prays that the gospel would be translated into their lives. And we, and we in leadership, those who are spiritual ministry, operate from a principle for this reason, for the reasons of the gospel. I, Paul, and he goes on to pray. I didn't include it in this quote, but it's talking about he's going to pray. And that's what he's going to do. He's, he is mediating and, and wanting to bring more of the glory of God into their lives. How beautiful. Spiritual leadership. You should, you should make sure you get under some. <laughs> it's life-changing. Something else happens here, too. Something else happens in leaders, spiritual leaders. Spiritual leaders are able to interpret things in your life. Take a look here. Um, God is saying here in verse 19 that he is literally going to punish his people with prosperity. He will give them so much that they will hate it. Interesting, huh? Now, one of the gifts that God gives spirit-filled leaders is to help us see and identify and diagnose. Um, it's talked about in James. I look at the diagnosis. What causing quarrel? Let's say you're quarreling. Well, part of the role of, of, of spirit-filled ministry is to do what James does. James identifies. Well, you don't have because you haven't been asking. And the problem is when you do ask, you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. What is happening here? A spirit-filled leadership does this beautiful, tender, and, and compassionate diagnosis 
and interprets into people's lives how they can see what God is doing. And, and this is spirit-filled ministry. And I hope you've received this from me, and I've been able to do it for you. And maybe perhaps we can even do it more deeply. But this is, this is one of the joys of what you can cash in on with spirit-filled ministry. You should be going to your elders if you're thinking about job, work, relocation, marriage, all these things. Not because we know what to do, but because by God's grace, we will be able to identify uh, identify, and he will help us identify, the way he did with Moses, the actual causes of their misery. And they might be surprising, right? Because what you really need is spiritual wisdom to do what James is doing here, or to do it, or to see what God showed Moses. What's the spiritual wisdom? That sometimes extreme blessing from God is itself a judgment. Who would ever thought that I've seen it in people's lives? And, uh, and it is real, it is true. Elders will help you see it. Spirit-filled ministry will lead us to understand what God is doing and to diagnostically, wisely diagnosis, diagnose and see how the gospel is not being believed here and lived. Now, finally, I want to go one more place with this, though. I want to go one more beautiful place. Because, you know, the crisis of leadership is real. We look, this generation is real. But, but one of the things that's happening here in leadership in this uh, is this idea of bearing one another's burdens. You know, I was reading this, I was reading this, uh, you know, Moses is so discouraged and frustrated. And, and the other day, I, this happened two weeks ago, we were scheduling a, a session meeting, uh, but, but we were just talking, me, Ted, Frankie, and Corey were talking about this meeting today and just, you know, discussing it and stuff, how we we're going to do it. And, uh, and uh, I, rem I just remember this, it was hard to describe a sense of thrill and excitement that I had, that I had these men to meet with. <laughs> they were helping to bear a burden. Bear, did you hear it? Do, do you know what is in verse 17 right there? Nothing less than all of the law of Christ. Take a look. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill. What is spirit-filled ministry? It is the active engagement of the Holy Spirit in the whole life of the church through the men lead, who are leading. And their call to lead is the call of a servant, one who carries what other people need to carry. It's, it's the most humble. It's the schlep. It's the, it's, the, it's, the, it's the servant. And all of a sudden, we see what's happening in the leadership, spiritual leadership, all of a sudden starts turning on its head. And those who would think that leadership was about power, prerogative, and, 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 uh, and privilege, find themselves quite caught up because Christ does not exercise power, prerogative, or privilege at all. And neither do we. In fact, we would find ourselves, the spirit-filled ministry carries and their burdens, and carries one another, and fulfills the law of Christ. And now we see what is happening, and being inaugurated in Numbers 11 is nothing less than the glories of the kingdom, and everything God would do in bringing the story of Jesus and his love into this world, and that there's a true forgiveness for sinners. Ah, oh, it's all there, and this is how we bear each other's burdens, and help each other hold up when it's hard, because it is hard, and it is cruel, and it's a dangerous and scary world. And yet in his love, he is among us, giving us spirit-filled leaders. And let me come to the greatest of all this where, this, where the cash comes in and everything comes together, maybe for you or for me, and hopefully enjoy. But take a look at verse 29. See, Moses, something, something weird about Moses. This is one of the reasons why he's so exalted in the Bible, is Moses is able 
at different moments and in different vignettes and in different places, when he's speaking to God or leading the people, he is able, and he does at certain times, he says and speaks things that sound like Jesus. He says and speaks things that are way above his own pay grade. And he is able, as he is animated, because you see, the Holy Spirit continued with Moses. The Holy Spirit doesn't leave Moses. And, 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 but he is able to see something here in 29 and to yearn for something, to yearn for something that is all of the gospel. How in the world would Moses be able to speak the desires that Joel articulates? Joel, the prophet Joel articulates a thousand years later. A thousand years later, Joel writes this. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. You see, the longing of Moses is that the Holy Spirit would be on everybody. And the longing of, uh, uh, the true qualifying longing of Ted and, and Frankie and Corey or me or any leader is that they want the Holy Spirit for you. They want the Holy Spirit to, in other words, it's not about power, privilege, or prerogative. It's not about me amassing a Holy Spirit tower by which I can lead you and lord it over. Not at all. Not at all. And in fact, what happens is, is that true elders, true spirit-filled leaders are at the very bottom of the heap. They're the folks hoping for the best for everybody, everybody who, quote, is supposed to be below them in authority, but they see that. But a true spirit-filled leader sees everybody above them. You see? True spiritual leader sees everybody above them. They say, how can we serve? How can, how can, I, how can you have the Holy Spirit? Filled, filling, up, filling up more than it fills me. Filling up, let it flow. I don't want more of the Holy Spirit than you. I want you to have as much as me and more. And so, because I don't want to, I, you know, don't be jealous for my sake. <laughs> you hear Moses and this one tender moment for him and Joshua. Joshua so loves Moses. He so wants to affirm Moses and his power because it is a God-filled ministry. God, Moses does have authority. Joshua has been a witness. He has seen spirit-filled leadership. He knows what spirit-filled leaders are. But he didn't guess. And he hadn't seen yet what Moses saw. And that it was God's intention to spill this blessing and this filling to every single child of the kingdom. <laughs> and now, spirit-filled leaders, what are they doing? Well, they're trying to figure out how to make that happen for you. Praying that to happen in you. Seeking by all the means of God's appointment and energy and heart and devotion and love to seek that that would happen to you. And therefore, bear your burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. Knowing God personally, bubbling up of spirit-filled ministry. Because <laughs> look, brothers and sisters, there's a crisis of ministry in our, a crisis of leadership in our age, isn't there? It's a real one. Who <clears throat> will be equal to it? Not me. Not you. Not, not, not these men. But, um, but if we have a spirit-filled structure with spirit-filled leaders, leading by the Spirit, filling and bubbling and overwhelming. Uh, yeah, I'm going to hope a lot in that. Giving leadership away, even. And what do we have here? We have a completely different kingdom. The kingdom of our Savior and our Lord, Jesus Christ. The very kingdom he prayed for in John 17. And we come full circle with joy. Let's pray. Father, for this reason, I bow before you and, and uh, kneel before you and pray 
uh, for you to open the eyes and the hearts and the minds of my people for this very reason that they may, they may have power together. We all may have power together to grasp how great and how wide, how deep, how extraordinary, how massive, how amazing, how eternal, how magnificent, how endless, how perfect your love really is. And to think you want to glory not just in your son, dear father, but you want to glory in the church for how is this, how could this be? Father, we looked at last week, we are eager, we are earnest, we are even, some part of us is, is terrified. Christ prayed for a lot of things. He prayed for glory, joy, and love. He prayed for these things. We want to know where the answers are, Father. We seek answers from you. And I have the sense that this is where we'll find them. We'll find them in you, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, lead. Holy Spirit, go and fill everyone in the church. All flesh. Holy Spirit, come and bend and break my heart to mediating love. Help, help your Holy Spirit energy of, of love and life in the cross bubble out of Frankie and Ted and Corey so they can no longer contain it. Father, come and do a work with us that will come and give you much glory. We, we want to serve you. Come, Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pronounce the mystery of our faith together. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Praise him. Tell me, Christian, tell me, First Press, guests, visitors. I hope you believe this, because if you believe this, there's life in it by the Spirit. <laughs> the Spirit fills it. What do you believe? We believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead, he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there, he shall come to judge the living and the dead. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. For further information, please feel free to check us out at firstpresbyterian.sf.org or come and worship with us on Sunday mornings at 1015. We meet at 110 Embarcadero, just a block away from the Ferry Building, and we can't wait to see you.